probably the first time as a judge I had a round with more questions than answers. Uh, just because it was I, like, I want to sit the guy down who invented this and go, tell me everything. <laughs> What's up, Dueling Decades? This is Wax. Peace to all you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Will it be the 90s or the 80s? Beanie Babies or Crack Babies? Will it be Nirvana or Madonna? Maybe Britney, maybe Whitney. Do you like new metal or new wave? Dave Grohl or Super Dave? I don't know, but now the battle begins. Dueling Decades, let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the newspapers.com studios, it's another all-new Dueling Decades, the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back. I am Mark James, and this week we bring the madness with the best of March duel. I will be competing with March of 1980 alongside the other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, bringing the best of March of 1989, it's the host of Garbage Pail Flicks. Say hello to Chucky Balzac. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to see y'all again. Chucky Balzac from Garbage Pail Flicks. Fantastic idea for a fantastic world. I made the illogical logical, and I'm coming in hot with March 1989. It was a good year with a lot of good content in that uh, year. Uh, the month of March took a bit of digging, though. Stupid smarch weather. <laughs> and returning to the show with the best of March of 1999 is the host of Bumming with Bobcat. Please welcome back, Bumwine Bob. All right, all right, all right. I'm glad to be back here with you guys, sitting on the other side of the stand this time, presenting and not judging. So I am, I'm ready. We're ready to rock and roll. March of 99, right before the new millennium rolled in. Ooh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a battle, guys. You're going down, Bob. Uh, we'll see. And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So this week, back behind the bench, is the media king of the North. Please welcome back Joe Finley. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always good to be on this side of the th on this side of things. Uh, I have judged judges before. This is not news to me. I understand the seat you've been in, and you now understand the seat I've been in. So we can just uh, fix this against Chucky together. <laughs> Bring it on! Bring it on, Sally. Yeah, you, you, don't need, you don't need to tell me twice. I got this. <laughs> Eighty-nine, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges' coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And in the event of a tie after all five rounds, we'll go to a final wild card round. Remember, duelers, to review the show, like, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more Dueling Decades. All right, let's toss it right down to our judge for this evening, Mr. Joe Finley, for the coin toss, which will be between Chucky and Bumwine Bob this week. Uh, Bob, you, this is the first time you're competing here on our show. You have the honors to call it, sir. All right. 
I'm going to call it and go with Tails. Tails never fails. Don't don't steer me wrong, Joe. All right. So what I'm going to be flipping here is a laser etched uh, logo of my podcast, Miscast Commentary. And so heads will be if it looks normal to the human eye. And if it is backwards, that will be tails. So you're you're looking for backwards. We flip. All right. Backwards, man. Let's do it. And heads it is. Tails fails. Uh, oh, shenanigans. <laughs> All right. All right, Chucky. You win the coin toss. You take control of the board. And you get to select our first category. Oh boy, uh, that's a tough one. Well, let's uh, let's get news out of the way. Um, March third, nineteen eighty nine, out of the Mid Illinois newspaper, headlining: Gary Busey, actor, continues to oppose mandatory helmet law despite crash. Uh, reported from Beverly Hills, California, Associated Press: Gary Busey. His head scarred from a near-fatal motorcycle crash says he still opposes mandatory helmet laws, a position ridiculed Thursday by a government physician. The 44-year-old actor in his first public appearance since the crash, December 4th, said Wednesday he could have been a vegetable if he had been wearing a helmet. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Sachs, Sachs, I'm uh, not. Uh, I'm not joking on the name. Uh, is, uh, the center of from the Center of Disease Control Injury Control Division said 4,000 motorcycle riders are killed each year and 360,000 injured. Most of the deaths are serious disabilities are uh, due to the head injuries, and helmet significantly reduces the chances of a head injury. He said. Crazy Busey said he plans to help raise money to fight helmet laws as he did before his accident during his news conference Wednesday. Busey's publicist distributed a pamphlet and, and, and to, the pamphlet entolling helmetless riding. Uh, in the uh, crash, Busey's unprotected head struck a curb and he underwent brain surgery to move, remove a blood clot. He was hospitalized for two months. Uh, do you see who won an Oscar nomination as Best Actor for the title role of 1978's The Buddy Holly? Uh, said he uh, favored the law uh, mandating helmets only for motorcyclists aged 16 to 21. Uh, I felt that way before the accident, he said. Uh, he blames his accident on excessive speed and an oil puddle. Uh, he has yet to resume riding his motorcycle, which he said had been repaired since. Oh, Busey, you scamp. March 3rd, 1989, actor Gary Busey speaks out against helmet laws and intends to change them. Uh, no word if he was ever successful. I'm sure uh, he forgot and moved on to other wacky causes to fight for. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> doesn't, su doesn't surprise you, does it, Gary Busey? Being like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm fine. <laughs> No, he needs to wear a helmet. But, yeah. he, you know, of course he doesn't think so. <laughs> well, I guess that kind of makes a lot of sense now why he is how he is, maybe. Yep, totally, totally. The lack of helmets. To yeah, I just I just cleared everything up for you guys. You ever wondered about Gary Busey? There you go. <laughs> Motorcycle yeah, he's the type of guy who should wear a helmet. Not like while riding a bike. Like all, all the, the time. time. Walking. All the time. Showering. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bob, what did you bring for the news round? 
All right. Well, we're going to start this out on a little of a, uh, a somber note, because I know, as usual for you guys, there's always some sort of a death involved when it comes to <laughs> dueling decades. It's the inevitable. And <laughs> Gary, <laughs> so, Gary Busey almost died. So <laughs> he almost I was, when you when you brought up Gary Busey, I'm like, wait a second. No, no, he's he's still alive. So <laughs> barely 1980 was 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 not the end. <laughs> but uh, but this one here is coming from the Associated Press. On March 8th, 1999, uh, Joe DiMaggio, the elegant Yankee Clipper whose 56-game hitting streak endures one of the most remarkable remarkable records in baseball, died Monday, March 8th, 1999 at his home in Florida. He was 84 and who he went underwent uh, lung cancer surgery in October and battled a series of complications for weeks and died shortly after midnight on Monday, March 8th, 1999, and went through the, you know, the whole story of his lifetime being one of the, the great Yankee legends. Uh, the Hall of Fame flag at Cooperstown was, was lowered to half staff, and, and a wreath was placed around DiMaggio's plaque, U.S. flags at Yankee Stadium, you know, most known for his his streak during the magical summer of 1941 that that riveted a country fresh from the Depression and elevated him from baseball star to national celebrity, leading to one of the most infamous uh, romances when he married Marilyn Monroe in 1954, the storybook marriage that failed all too quickly and left him brokenhearted. And, you know, but at the, the time of his death, it was one of the things said that if he would finally be, be reunited with Miss Monroe as he would join her in heaven. So, as we said, the the deaths are always the inevitable in the dueling decades. <laughs> and here on on uh, on March eighth, nineteen ninety nine, the death of the legendary Joe DiMaggio. Wow. All right, gentlemen. Uh, for my news this week, let's go to an article by Patrick J. Killian of the, the United out of the United Press International, March 9th, nineteen eighty, where the headline reads: Today, weather forecast may turn partly clowny. Willard Scott, the down-home Virginian who takes over as the weatherman on NBC's Today program Monday, has been known to whip off his toupee on camera to reveal season's greetings to viewers printed on his bald head. Scott, the weather prophet for NBC's Washington station, for the last dozen years regularly promotes cake sales, charity swim meets, and other community activities in the local area. Those hoping to draw his attention and to gain airtime bombard WRC-TV with fancy cakes, jams, weird hats, and other eye-catchers. Scott regularly eats, displays, and wears them on camera. So, Willard Scott would go on to be a staple on the Today Show for the next 35 years. When it was all said and done, he worked for NBC for over 65 years. So he announced his full retirement from television on December 11th, 2015. So each morning, Willard Scott would come into our homes, not only to tell us about the weather around the globe, but he would also give us a look outside of our very own windows. Scott would become known for taking his show on the road, talking to locals across the country at historic sites, places of interest, state fairs. And in 1983, on a viewer suggestion, he would start wishing people a happy 100th birthday on the show. Brought to you by Smuckers. Because with a name like Smuckers, you know it's good. 
So Willard Scott would go on to pass, unfortunately, September 4th, 2021. And fun fact, he was the creator and original portrayer of Ronald McDonald. So Willard Scott joins the Today Show Monday morning, March 10th, 1980. All right, Joe, let's pass this one over to you. What is your verdict on the news round? Okay, well, let's take these in order. We're going to start with Chucky and the Gary Busey opposing the helmet laws. Uh, that would be the opinion of a person who sustained a brain injury by not wearing a helmet, so that's no surprise to me. Um, he's always been uh, a little bit of a goofy duck in such a way, but uh, I think he's gotten away with so much now just because everybody's, you know, it's like, that's Busey. You know, it's become his whole shtick. <laughs> the last thing I saw is judging um, a pet up. Uh, pet show like pet court <laughs> Gary Busey's pet court but what's crazy now is that other than Gary is that you uh, he, he's been this version of Gary longer than he's been the version of Gary who was Buddy yeah. Holly and in Under Siege and uh, Lethal Weapon and all these other things I don't know why I named Under Siege before Lethal Weapon I watched it more recently it was more top of mind I guess but uh, that's <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that's a gigantic irony, of course, and uh, an interesting one. Uh, we go to uh, to Bumwine Bob, and uh, he brings the sadness, so that's automatic points with this guy. Uh, but the death of Joe DiMaggio, uh, it's a tragic death, obviously. He's a big guy, but like, what a tragedy. This is a guy who had a great career going, and then what, 58 years later, dead. Like, who, who would have <laughs> saw it coming? But... Um, but I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no telling how many more hits he could have gotten at age of 90, whatever, God knows. Um, and then we go to Mark and with the Willard Scott debut, uh, those weather, what, what is it about weatherman? Like how uninteresting is the weather? Cause like the weatherman is always the nut of the group and yeah. it's like, there's a serious science in there somewhere and everybody's like nah we don't have time for that nonsense i'm gonna wear an all green suit so i'm just a floating head while i point at clouds but uh no willard scott that's a hell of a career 35 years there at 65 of nbc i didn't know the ronald mcdonald thing actually so that's a really cool uh piece of intel um but if i really break it down i'm gonna go with the one that feels the most news like the, the that gives me a shock of some kind uh so obviously the willard scott one not a shock it was just something that happened and he you know went on to have a great career and everything was great joe dimaggio great career he went on to die of old age when expected so i give you the guy who should have worn a helmet telling you you should not wear a helmet uh chucky 1989 gets the first point Woo! <laughs> wow. all right chucky nice. you pick up the first point but more importantly, you keep control of the board. You get to select our next category. Oh, boy, I get two in a row here. Oh, let me choose wisely here. All right, let's go with, uh, we'll go music. Why not? All right, uh, let me take you back to March 89. Uh, music was full of new kids and new additions and Paul Abdul's straight up. Uh, but I had uh, to bring a still fairly new band and new sound that hit the heavy metal scene in 1989. Uh, at this point, they only had uh, one other album released two years prior to this titled Soul Crusher uh, in 1987. 
the seven track album included titles like Murder World, Demon Speed, Acid Flesh, and Disaster Blaster. This is a familiar vibe uh, to these song titles, seeing as the frontman known these days as director Rob Zombie uh, went on to create films in the world of horror and yeah, <laughs> and uh, had a pretty popular solo music career to boot uh, throughout the 2000s. Uh, but back in uh, March 22nd, 1989, was the release of their uh, White Zombies' Make Them Die Slowly, only their second studio album. And they were just uh, getting started, hadn't even appeared in uh, the movie Airheads yet at that point. And we all know that's when Rob Zombie really, you know, started taking off was after his appearance in Airheads. So, sorry, I don't got much to say about Rob Zombie. Or... <laughs> I, I, I like I like White Zombie better than Rob Zombie. So I'm not going to get into my my uh, inner debate with the career of Zabrambi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob, it's over to you. What did you bring for the music round? All right. Well, when you look at the music scene of early 1999, you'll see a lot of, of pop, a lot of boy bands, pop, women singers. Pop, pop. And yeah, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of bubblegum pop and all, all that yep. fun stuff. It came and back. Unless, it came back. In you know, I, I know, I know. It, it, it made a big uh, resurgence there in the late yep. 90s. Sure did. And now I could have gone with who was number one for pretty much the whole month of March 1999, and that was Cher. But knowing my my target audience here, I I, I put that <laughs> to the side. Uh, so I went with kind of a kind of a sleeper. I guess something that you might have not thought would have been released in March of 1999, but that was on March 28th, 1999, Green Day released their single Nice Guys Finish Last, which was the fourth single off of their Nimrod album from 1997, which was also used in the movie Varsity Blues and help propel it to hit status and earn a nomination for an MTV Movie Award for Best Song from a Movie in 1999. So, I mean, if you've, you've probably seen the, the, the music video, it features the band as a mock football team with a stage set up, uh, getting ready for a concert, football game action. There's a whole lot of shenanigans with the band having a good time. And essentially... Uh, while it didn't give them great chart success, because as I said, nobody could really top share during that <laughs> that time, and and the boy bands took over quite after that. And it, really, I was going down that top 100 uh, <laughs> list there, and I was like, well, who can I pick for this? And then I saw Green Day pop up, and I'm like, bingo, you got it. So, <laughs> so, so, so Green Day releasing the single for Nice Guys Finished Last on. March 23rd. I don't know if I said 23rd or 28th before, but it was March 23rd. Either way, 1999. I feel you, Bob. My, I had a, a dilemma going on my 89 year with, uh, it was either Millie Vanilli or Rob Zombie. I'm like, you know, what What do I do here? I know. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's a tough <laughs> yeah, call. Yeah. Well, fortunately, gentlemen, I did not have a tough call. Uh, as soon as I saw this album popped up, I knew I was picking it. So released March 26, 1980, I give you the album that asks the question, have you seen Junior's Grades? 
It's the real Van Halen 3. It's Women and Children First, the third studio album, of course, by Van Halen. Now, the album title actually came from old Diamond Dave himself, when one morning after waking after one of those legendary Van Halen ragers, he awoke to screams of, The ship is sinking! To that, Dave replied, Women and children first! And, you know, it kind of just stuck from there. So, released March 26, 1980, and much like the first two albums, uh, this album was recorded in just about 17 days at Sunset Studios in Hollywood. It was produced by the smooth sounds of Mr. Ted Templeton. It reached number six on the U.S. charts and has since sold over four million copies. Now, this was the first Van Halen album not to include a cover song, Instead, the album showcases a new, harder sound from the band and kind of like a big step forward, I always thought, in songwriting. Uh, the first song on the album, And the Cradle Will Rock, was also the first single and the first song to feature the keyboard stylings of Mr. Edward Van Halen. Now, if you're wondering, where the hell is the keyboard in that song? It's actually the first thing you hear. That's not a guitar. That's a uh, Wurlitzer electric piano played through Eddie's stack. Uh, so the next song on the album is the classic Everybody Wants Some, as seen and heard in the 1985 classic Better Off Dead. Uh, then we move on to Fools, Romeo Delight, Tora Tora, Loss of Control, Take Your Whiskey Home, Could This Be Magic?, and uh, the album finishes up nicely with uh, in a simple rhyme. Uh, Kerrang! Magazine listed the album at number 30 among the 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all time. Rolling Stone had it at 36. But hopefully, it's number one with Joe. This is Van Halen, Women and Children First, March 26th, 1980. All right, Joe Finley, it is over to you to wrap up the music round. What is your verdict? All right. Well, I guess I actually have to say something about these. All right. We'll go in order again. Uh, we'll start with Chucky, uh, White Zombie, Make Them Die Slowly. Uh, White Zombie, uh, me coming up in high school was a big thing. More Human Than Human was my jam. I mean, I am the Astro Creep, a demolition style hell American freak. Yeah. <laughs> I know you dig through the ditches and uh, yeah, the witches man. and play. Of course I do. A slam in the back of my dragon. You always have. You always <laughs> Naturally. have. Naturally. Always. Every Sunday. <laughs> but now I'm upset because you could have picked Millie Vanilli. Yeah. You could have done it. Come on. Yeah. But I get it. I mean. I get it. No. Yeah. It took everything in me not to pick Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I really, I had to give everybody else a chance, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, as, as somebody who has been competing on this show before it was dueling decades. Uh, it is a tough line to walk between the most relevant, the most popular, the best, mm -hmm. and what will be liked the most. So I, to mm -hmm. I totally understand. Yeah. I've put out things where it was like, I think I did my heart will go on one time and got roasted for the next <laughs> 10 minutes. Yeah. But like, I was like, it won it like almost e got it all on its own you know what i mean yeah, and it yeah. was like yep yeah, yeah. but 
you know, go fuck yourself, Joe, was basically the idea. And I get it. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like, do you go for the hanging fruit? Do you go for the low-hanging fruit? Or, you know, you know, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> yeah you, you, try, you try to figure out, you gotta, you gotta know your exactly. audience. Yeah. So, okay, what are yeah. they gonna like best? Yeah. yeah, you gotta choose how to walk the line. And that goes, yeah. for, ev- that goes for every round, but nothing more than music, because yeah. music is so much more subjective than everything else. If a movie yeah. is yeah. good, most people like it. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, that's just the way it is. But music is yeah. like, you know, you could name the best rock and roll album from 1977. And then other people are like, oh, I hate that band. Right. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. So, so I get that. Uh, bum wine, Bob, you could have picked Cher. <sighs> you know, I believe in life after love. Apparently you don't, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now I do. I am impressed by you picking this, like, you know, digging this single out in your anybody but the pop stars search. I understand that uh, very well because you're sitting there and you're like, there's no way. There's no way I'm putting bye, bye, bye on my, my pick. I'd rather just not show up. Yeah, I, I, I can't make I, it, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm sorry. I, I played Oregon Trail and I died of dysentery and I can't make it. But uh, so... Big fan of Green Day. Was big fan of uh, of the album Nimrod. Uh, okay, fan of Varsity Blues. I didn't actually remember that that song was a part of that, but mm-hmm. that's all well and good. <laughs> um, Mark hits us with it's it's this is one where it's it's kind of hard. You're kind of an asshole if you don't pick it, right? <laughs> so uh, the idea I didn't know Eddie played the keys on that, so that's pretty interesting. Um, I, I like learning stuff. You didn't get the point from another thing I learned from you already with the Ronald McDonald thing. But uh, <laughs> but this time, education matters, and I picked Mark for the point. All right. Yeah. It's, it's hard to go uh, against Van Halen on that. No, I, yeah. I, I, think, I don't think we. Totally, I don't think any of us yeah, can argue with that no. pick. <laughs> Wait, when he said when he said Van Halen, I was like, oh well, he's gonna. Yeah. Win now. I was like, like all right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. hey, everybody wants some. I, that's all I think about is the hamburger dance, and so. You got it, man. Oh, I know. Totally. Mm-hmm. Anytime you hear it, first licks, it's like, eh. All right. Well, I tie up this game with Chucky. We're heading into our final one-point round. Gentlemen, that is going to be the Hot Products round. So for my selection, I ooh, I found a doozy. And I rem- if you go back several episodes, I have I've selected different products over the years. Um that I find interesting, one of which was a, uh, a clone for truckers, if you remember that one. This one is right up there with that. So let's go to the Fresno Bee at a Fresno, California, March 20th, 1980, uh, where the headline reads, Synthetic Skunk Oil Tested for Use in Repelling Rapists. A Texas businessman is marketing a new product designed to help the one in three women who police statistics say will be threatened by a rapist. The product is a tiny plastic vial of synthetic skunk oil to be pinned into a woman's undergarments. The vial can be crushed between the two fingers with about the same force as it takes to break a pencil. The resulting odor is so offensive and unexpected that most cases the attacker will flee says J.W. Small of Austin, who began developing the product several years ago after negotiations with its Canadian inventor. The odor will permeate the attacker's clothing and could make it easier for police to literally sniff him out. 
a woman being attacked can trigger the odor by simply gripping her clothes and snapping the vial. The product is sold with a neutralizer, it states, uh, that the victim can use to get rid of the smell on her clothing later. Uh, the oil is harmless to the skin. It can be washed away with soap and water. And in an interview, J.W. Small said the product was tested for two years on campuses and elsewhere. Says the product was used successfully five times by women who were attacked. And now he sells it through the mail and drug stores in the Washington, D.C. area. This is actually his first mass test market. And then this is where it gets even worse. The name of the product I am not going to reveal. I'm going to ask each one of you, what do you think the name of this product would be? Uh, something away, uh, you know, uh, creep, 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 creep away. Creep, 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 creep away. Pest away. Pest yeah. away. Creep, 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 creep away. Pest away. Creep away. All right, Joe, what do you think a good name for this would be? Uh, it's going to be called Newman's Own Get Your Dirty Dick Away From Me. <laughs> <laughs> Those might have been better names. The name of this product is Rapel. Yes, they combined rape and repel. I'm so, I'm so mad I didn't think of that. Like, I'm <laughs> offended I didn't think of that. <laughs> and repel, repel the rape. Yeah, rape, repel, repel, yeah. That sells. <laughs> so, rapel can be ordered for $9.95 from J.W. Small out of Austin, Texas. The skunk oil was actually originally developed uh, to use an otherwise odorless natural gas to help detect gas leaks. Uh, Small Small said he will replace the unit free of charge for any woman who uses it successfully against an attacker, provided she sends a copy of the police report to prove it. So I give you Rapel in stores soon, March 20th, 1980. And coming in 1981, the new uh, sardine smell. (laughs) (laughs) Really Rapel them. All right, Chucky, over to you. What did you bring for the Hut Products round? Jiminy Christmas. How am I supposed to follow Ray Pell? How do I do this? All I got is fucking video rental stores are in full effect in March of 89. <laughs> Blockbuster Video had become a franchise by then. It was uh, common for everyone at least to have a small video library in their homes. March 9th of uh, 1989, the Chicago Tribune Entertainment Section, Chicago Tribune Entertainment Section, one article found headlines, uh, films find life after box office death. That went on to explain how a movie can fail in the box office movie theaters, but then find new viewers when released on new home, that new home video recorder system. Uh, Hank at the office keeps raving about. 89 also uh, noticed uh, video clubs like Columbia House, CBS Video Club uh, were discounting home videotapes for purchasing in magazines and uh, on their own rather than accumulating consistent r- uh, rental fees at the local uh, mom and pop video store. Uh, any six tapes for 99 cents, anyone? I'm sure I still owe BMG. Uh, there, was a, <laughs> there was a blurb under the article that asked, writer studs turkle i love studs turkle the last video he rented uh the unknown chaplain was uh was from thames uh, thames documentary about charlie chaplin thanks studs uh some uh film films rented most in march of 89 included die hard married to the mob caddyshack 2 iron eagle 2 and a fish called wanda 
These are based on according to local of uh, local Windsor, Ontario, local rental spots like Baron Video, Penny's Movie Time, Applause Video, Movie Mania, Theater Video Mart, and Felix Avenue Video. Joe, any of those ring a bell? Did you ever have any of those? No, those one, those ones are very local. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's Canada video stores for you. Um, but you probably went to Jumbo Video. I, I remember I heard that one. Canada. You bet your ass I went to Jumbo Video. I think you just won the points by saying those words. <laughs> <laughs> numerous, numerous ads for VHS sales and rentals and even VCR repairs I came across on newspapers.com. Uh, the DVD psh, still were still super expensive till years down the line. So VHS video is still booming big in March of 1989. All right. All right, Bob, why don't you wrap us up with your selection for the hot products round? All right. So my hot product actually costs you no money, maybe some money in the sense of the time it took to fire up your dial up modem to connect to the internet to download it but coming from the the wide world of microsoft on march 18th 1999 is the headline microsoft delivers world's fastest modern browser available today internet explorer 5 saves users time by providing the fastest easiest and most flexible web experience uh, Microsoft announced today the immediate worldwide availability of Internet Explorer 5, the eagerly awaited web browser software that works faster to save users time. Uh, Bill Gates launched the Internet, 5, uh, Internet Explorer 5 browser today at a launch event at the Microsoft campus in Redmond, Washington, highlighting it's as the centerpiece of the company's Internet innovations in its Windows operating system. Uh, with Internet Explorer 5, users can experience page rendering performance improvements of up to 60% in comparison with Netscape Navigator 4.5 on top sites. An average startup is an average of 39% faster with Internet Explorer than with Netscape Navigator 4.5. As uh, Internet Explorer tries to provide a much uh, simpler and more flexible web experience while uh, Microsoft tried to enhance the with their new Windows radio toolbar, trying to promote Internet radio content. Uh, I think that was kind of a work in progress. I think they're still trying to <laughs> figure <Yeah>. out <laughs> today. I remember seeing that when I was like, oh, cool, there's an Internet you know, radio toolbar. And I don't think it ever worked or it was always never. buffering or, or trying to attempt to connect and it never could quite work. But uh, with bringing IntelliSense to the web, Internet Explorer 5 simplifies and automates the most complex browsing tasks. For example, the search assistant harnesses the power of different search engines. So you could just type a search in your toolbar and it would automatically uh, find the appropriate site. In addition to adding in the new autocomplete feature, which would save your history in the the browser, which I'm sure we all know and love today, uh, in, in anywhere. I mean, I guess that could also get you in trouble a lot of times if you forgot to uh, clear that out when you were done. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so it did not cost you any money other than at the time it took to dial up your modem and download it. 
and Internet Explorer 5 is available immediately for download on the web. Uh, connection time charges may apply, and it will be uh, delivered to Windows 98, Windows 95, Windows NT 3.51, Windows NT 4.0, and the Sun Solaris and HP UX operating systems. So yeah, the, the release of Internet Explorer 5 in their mission to combat against the Netscape Navigator. All right, Judge Joe Finley, let's hear your verdict on the hot products round. Well, I mean, I could there be three more completely different items to compare? <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. All right, uh, let's start with Mark with Raypel. Synthetic skunk oil for anti-rape purposes. So... You had me at Canadian Inventor, and it's like, essentially, it's like having a dye pack for people, which is funny to me. Like, I mean, the, the situation's yeah. not funny, but just that whole idea. But can we just say sorry collectively as a gender for being so awful that this had to be invented in the first yeah. place? Like, holy <laughs> shit, we're the worst. Um, I started to get really worried because you said they had to pop it. Like, like they had to like bust it on so I'm like they gotta get it all over themselves like have they not been through enough but then you said there was the neutralizer and I'm like okay well that's something I guess and then you said they were testing it at campuses and stuff like did they hire like scientist rapists to go around and try and attack <laughs> like what are we doing here like I was uh, this was probably the first time as a judge I had a round with more questions than answers uh, just because it was such a crowd. I was like, I, like, I want to sit the guy down who invented this and go tell me everything. Like, <laughs> so that one was just absolutely crazy. Uh, Chucky, you know, essentially like video rentals, VHS video rentals is like kind of what the product was. I was kind of like, towards the end I was still so, what exactly are we saying this product is? Um, but you hit me hard with the can. Every time somebody hits me with the Canada, you're hitting me in the feels. But um, th you mentioned Jumbo Video, which was gigantic. Jumbo Video was the closest uh, video store to me. And we used to go there. I'm just, I'll share very quickly the experience that I would have all the time. You go in and you would get for a nickel that I do, you'd get like this little teeny tiny bag of popcorn. And so you could walk around eating movie theater popcorn while you were searching around your. Uh, the the whole place, they had a horror section, so it was all like this like dark castle, and you'd go in, and that's where all the horror movies were. And there was still for the like way later than there should be, there was a wall where there were still beta v beta tapes on the wall, and it was amazing. But they had the greatest deal ever, and we did this every time anybody had a sleepover. It was the deal was called five for five for five. It was five movies for five nights, for five bucks. But the, yep. but the twist on that was, if you finished the movies and returned them within the five days, you could get five more movies. So we would start our sleepover on like Saturday at 9 a.m. We'd all go to wherever the VHS was and we would burn through the movies. And then, mom, take us back to Jumbo Video. And it was like just after supper, right? And then we get five more movies and we spend all night watching them. Then we wake up first thing in the morning, mom, take us back to Jumbo Video. And then we go back. And so like, no word of a lie, we've gotten through 15 movies in a two day period, numerous occasions. Uh, but that place holds such a uh, near and dear place to my heart. There is still one video store nearby me. Uh, shout out to That's Entertainment. It's mostly a vape shop now, but it's 
<laughs> but uh, it's still a place you can go and rent a movie if you're so inclined. So I awesome. hear it. I love it. And I do. We talked mm-hmm. offline one time. Uh, I think it was after the show one time we all talked about missing the event of going to rent a movie. You're like, hey, everybody, we're going to go rent a movie. And everybody would go and separate off and go look for your favorite thing. And so, yeah, no, near and dear to the heart for sure. Man, all this talk about jumbo video. Yeah. You're leaving me with more questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you said for the horror section, you have to walk into this giant dark castle to look at all the movies. Yeah. What was the porno section like? <laughs> <laughs> if there was one, it was well hidden. Because I don't recall I don't recall there being one for jumbo video. It was like the family store. That's okay. entertainment. Okay. It had yeah. the porno section. Uh, I remember Every time I'd go there, it was like my when we were like 13 years old, I'd be like looking at stuff and I just watch my buddy like a moth to a flame just go like right in there. <laughs> and then and then inevitably being shooed out by somebody. Hey, you get out of here. Get out of here, you dirty little pervert. With a broom. Yeah. <laughs> Chase him with a broom. Get out of here. I'm gonna try and rent one of these porno VHS. Let me grab the box. Yeah. <laughs> the four foot wide box. Yeah. Um that's what he said. But uh <laughs> but let's go back to Bumwine Bub and uh what helped us get out of those weird back rooms in the video store, Internet Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> where we could, where we could line by line download a picture for Waiting. eight minutes of Jerry Ryan <laughs> naked, but it's clearly her face photoshopped on a Chinese woman's body. And, Poorly. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, it was the standard for a very long time until like you know people, other companies decided they could also do this you know once upon a time internet explorer was the number one place to google things um, yeah. <laughs> then, Ur- then earthling came along yeah. earthling came there along. we go um but for that reason because it was and it still shocks me to my core that things like that were happening this late because it doesn't feel like it was that long ago you know what i mean like it was like oh man the internet it was like still still trying to find its speed at the end of the century um Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna give it to internet explorer because it was a heck of a lot more popular than the anti-rape oil (laughs) and uh and i just the videos i you know i'd like to but it was just too vague for me to uh, go over so i'm going to give it to internet explorer and we're going to tie right. it all up all right bob we're heading into our first two-point round we got the movies round and the television round left where are we going next man okay let's go to the tv section here and while i gave you a freebie in the hot products round you you didn't have to pay any money for your Internet Explorer, if you wanted to see this event on TV, you had to shell out your hard-earned money, and that is the World Wrestling Federation WrestleMania 15 on March 25th, 1999, from the First Union Center uh, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, This is the 15th annual WrestleMania pay-per-view produced by the World Wrestling Federation. It grossed a a whopping $1.4 million on ticket sales of 20000 which saw the the main event of Stone Cold Steve Austin defeating The Rock for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And this is pretty much, if not at the height of the Attitude Era, it's, it's pretty damn close to it. While the 
the card itself, looking back on it now, might not be the most uh, uh, enjoyable these days. <laughs> uh, in the moment, uh, it was a, a good time. And I know after, you know, all of us had our wrestling themed episode a few weeks back. I had to kind of sneak one in, <laughs> find the right spot to get one in here. Uh, and while, like I said, it wasn't on free TV, you had to order it on pay-per-view, you know, the big event of the year. And that would be uh, the World Wrestling Federation, the WrestleMania 15. Awesome. You can never go wrong with a WrestleMania pick, man. No, Always a good no. time. Even when the matches are bad, it's WrestleMania. It's still a good time. Yeah. All right, Chucky, let's see what you have for the television round. Well, why the hell should I break the cipher? This show I found uh, that's coming out at the end, coming to an end in 1989 of March, uh, follows a single father who works as a private school teacher and vice principal, but also, uh-oh, moonlights as a professional wrestler. Uh, Robert Randall, a.k.a. the Mass Maniac, played by retired National Football League defensive lineman Lyle Alzado, uh, would uh, balance day-to-day problems with his students, but also with his two kids that he raises on his own. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> could, could say he's wrestling with a lot of personal problems. Because he works as a wrestler on the side. Uh, and to top all these other uh, things going on in his life, he keeps his wrestling gig a secret to protect his teaching uh, rep- reputation. Hilarious. To add to the series' legitimacy, the show was connected to the NWA, or National Wrestling Alliance, which allowed for cross-promotion. And Alzado even appeared on NWA's Clash of the Champions 2 event to discuss the show and promote it, of course. Each episode featured several minutes of uh, footage from the NWA uh, wrestlers competing in the ring and promos, including Ric Flair, Tully Blanchard, Rugged Ronnie Garvin a lot. He was in that show a lot. And uh, the Road Warriors and Sting uh, doing promos. A couple of uh, uh, PowerPoints here. The uh, Rock and Roll Express uh, uh, does an episode where Lyle Elzato's son starts a band with Ricky Morton. That happened. Uh, <laughs> Hawk from the Road Warriors eats a beer bottle instead of drinking it. That kind of gag. Uh, and um, Randall, uh, the mass um, marauder, whatever the hell his name is in the show, uh, children and the people he worked with in the wrestling shows uh, knew about the teaching job. Uh but in the first couple episodes, his kids just find out he's a wrestler. Uh, so now they have to keep it a secret as well. A lot of secrets in this fucking show. Um, plus, Lyle Zeta is sexually harassed constantly by fellow teachers nonstop. So he needs that rapel, I think. And, you know, um, real life wrestler, Dr. A little fun fact, real life wrestler, Dr. Death Steve Williams sustained a legitimate injury to his knee during shooting. Um and, you know, obviously nothing because he's not a doctor in real life, kayfabe. So uh, what happened on the last episode? The fuck if I know, because there are only a handful of episodes on on the on the YouTubes. Um, but it is a, a wrestling based sitcom and uh, free wrestling marks out there like me. You know, there's not very many wrestling TV series that were ever made. Uh, but I give you. March 31st, 1989, the last episode of Learning the Ropes, starring Lyle Alzado. 
ended after one season, 26 episodes total, sadly. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a reboot for that one. Yeah. I was going to say, why don't, why don't we do a special Dueling Decades where we do a watch-along? <laughs> <laughs> so does uh, Billy Corgan own part of that show now, too? <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if he has... He needs to... Man, he needs to put them all up and yeah, give us a DVD set or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. So for my TV this week, why don't we all sit down and watch the number one TV show, Dallas, in its third season finale titled A House Divided. This is the episode that gave us the cliffhanger that was a cultural phenomenon. At 10.55 Friday night, Texas oil millionaire J.R. Ewing was gunned down in his penthouse office, his cold blood gushing into the floor where he lay alone. Leah Leitner of the Washington Post writes, She continues, All America was watching. It was in mild shock. The scene had been repeated on television at least a dozen times this week in commercials designed to keep us guessing about the whodunit. We won't know who killed or tried to kill America's newest anti-hero, the star of the CBS series Dallas, until the fall season. But there's room enough for a summer full of speculation. J.R., you see, he had many enemies, the article states. So who shot J.R. would appear on t-shirts, bumper stickers, magazine covers. Hell, even Mad Magazine had J.R. on the cover. An episode also inspired a novelty record by radio personality Gary Burbank that reached number 67 on the Billboard Hot 100 in July of 1980. Uh, The intrigue that Dallas had created had become a global event, with President Jimmy Carter even asking producer Leonard Katzman for spoilers. Even the Queen Mother herself said to Larry Hagman, I'm not going to ask you who shot you. And he actually replied, I wouldn't say, not even to you, your majesty. So in the end, it was J.R.'s sister-in-law and sometimes mistress, Kristen Shepard, played by Mary Crosby, who shot him. J.R. didn't press any charges as Kristen reveals that she is pregnant with his baby. So I think we all need Maury to come out on this one and uh, get the whole Dallas thing going. But So it's <laughs> Dallas, a house divided, March 21st, 1980. The season three finale and a cultural phenomenon that I mean, I think today, if you say who shot Jr., everybody knows that, even if you didn't watch the show, myself included. I'm more of a Mr. Mr. Who shot Mr. Burns fan myself, but. (laughs) But that wouldn't have happened if Jr. didn't get shot first. So true. Hardcore disagree. (laughs) Who shot Mr. Burns happened first. Then they went back in time and wrote who shot. Oh, okay. Sorry, my mistake. Oh, oh, and Joe, Joe, before you make that decision, I just want to throw my last uh, little finger. I forgot to mention that uh, Learning the Ropes is a production of uh, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) That was a big wink. All right, let's throw it over to that judge, Mr. Joe Finley, for his ruling on the television round. All right, well, something I don't normally do is um, make an immediate ruling, but today I'm going to... Chucky, you don't win this round. Uh, (laughs) You actually hurt my feelings by calling this thing Canadian. Um, And you haven't even seen it, so Jesus. No, I have not seen it. Uh, Learning the ropes where Lyle Alzado is the original Hannah Montana. Uh, 
I, when you told me when you were saying the last episode i'm like oh okay so it came like a week after the first episode and then you said it made it a whole season i was like holy shit that's something uh it's interesting that it had a connection to wrestlers it's weird because that was still a time period now it's, it seems even a little late still for the amount of kind of like wrestler nonsense they were allowing like eating the oh, i eat the bottles because i'm a big dumb wrestler and i don't know the difference like that kind of thing is kind of you know kayfabe uh that's, <laughs> you know that's its own thing um but let's jump over to some real wrestling for a minute uh wrestlemania 15 i loved that wrestlemania the rock and stone cold that was like that was the first uh like like real like main event like the, the other ones were good they were always like good build up but there was something of just like you didn't really need all the story that was building up to it and building up to it and building up i remember they had like that sit down interview prior to wrestlemania where they were both like i'm coming for it you know what i mean like it was so the story leading into it was so much more subdued than like your mike tyson coming into it or any of these other ones and it was still like oh my god stone cold and the rock it's happening and the people were just in where so i mean like they were just in but this also features two of the most anger inducing matches in my life um first of all being the brawl for all finale which we discussed the brawl for all a little while ago yeah. and um good god butterbean basically just basically wiping the entire legitimacy of the brawl for all off the map in like 90 seconds when he killed bart gun in the ring and i don't even think like bart gun wasn't even around much longer after that was no. he i think that was like, it i think he was all i think no that was it yeah. i think that he knocked him out and he never came back <laughs> yeah he died was, in the that, ring it was that was it <laughs> That was like that was something, and then also it was probably for me my second least favorite Undertaker match, at least um, up to like when I stopped watching, which was around WrestleMania 21 is when I stopped. Um, so that was he fought Big Boss Man in that one, and I was like, ah, that's an insult to the streak. Uh, the only one that I hated more than that, other than, other than I guess the Giant Gonzalez one, but at least that was a spectacle, was when he fought A Train and Big Show. Ooh. and like it was supposed to be a tag team match and he ended up taking them the two of them on himself and winning oh, and it was just like okay it was it was clunky because a train was garbage and it was just like it was what it was but like there was some good stuff in that they had that four corners match they had but it was all about stone cold and the rock it's the thing i remember the most and uh so yeah very good but now let's go to dallas um who shot jr is an absolute phenomenon there is no it was the i don't think it was the original cliffhanger but it was the cliffhanger like there was there is no better cliffhanger there was no you've never had a show you if you had cliffhangers in the past you were kind of like oh that show's coming back oh i wonder what how that's gonna turn out because they used to do the cliff literal cliffhangers on those old tv shows all the time they're like did the you know stagecoach go over the cliff but um which is why it is what it is but the yeah but there was never anything like this like it dominated this summer and uh for that reason i have to give this to mark because i like there was no up to 19 yeah there was no tv moment like this up to this point all right so i pick up another two points i jump out to a three to one lead but there's only one round left and that's the movies round all right guys uh released march 28th 1980 I give you a film with a tagline, 
Things like this only happen in the movies. It's Gilda Live, the film that captured Gilda Radner's summer-long stay on Broadway at the Winter Garden Theater. An article I found about this in the Los Angeles Times, March 29, 1980, by Kevin Thomas. It gives us the headline, Gilda Live is Saturday Night Raunchy. In her concert film, Gilda Live, Gilda Radner wastes no time in saying all the words that she can't say on TV's Saturday Night Live. But by the time she's finished her opening number, Let's Talk Dirty to the Animals, she's left scarcely a crude expression unsaid. Which doesn't mean we're not going to be hearing them again and again in the ensuing hour and a half. This comedy classic is probably Gilda's magnum opus. She brings all of her best characters, such as Roseanne Rosanna Dana, Emily Latilla, Candy Slice, Judy Miller, and uh, Lisa Lupner. Uh, she was aided on stage by the great Don Novello, a.k.a. Father Guido Sarducci. Uh, during costume changes, he would come out and do some comedy. Uh, the film also features the iconic Paul Schaefer, as the uh, he played kind of the musical straight man in the show. Now, Paul Schaefer actually chose to do this movie over the Blues Brothers, which was filming at the same time, and he was advised to do so by Lorne Michaels. So, sadly, uh, we would lose Gilda Radner to ovarian cancer just nine years later, as she would pass on May 20th, 1989, with the love of her life, Gene Wilder, by her side. It's Gilda Live, in theaters, March 28th, 1980. Dang, I could have I used 89 for Gilda's uh, death. <laughs> <No. laughs> All right, Chucky, it is over to you. What do you have for the movies round? Oh, boy. So I went the fantasy route. I usually don't, but, you know, there was very slim pickings in March of 89, surprisingly. 89, you know, is always the year of Batman, but we weren't at, we weren't at the point of Batman yet. We, were, uh, we had Police Academy 6, which I couldn't bring myself to choose that. So, um, <laughs> so my selection, I, I'm a big Police Academy fan, and just 6 was not sitting right with me. I'm like, I can't use 6. You know, it's not the most, it wasn't a solid you know, for the Police Academy series, it just wasn't, didn't feel right. So uh, my selection is based on the novel Munchausen's narrative of his marvelous travels and campaigns in Russia, written by Rudolf Eric Rosp and directed by Monty Python's Terry Gilliam in his fifth film. Uh, during the Re Age of Reason of the 18th century, the Turkish army lays siege on a European city where a theater production of an extraordinary heroics of a famed German aristocrat, Baron Munchausen, is underway. A man steps forward to object that the performance is full of inaccuracies, claiming that he is the real Baron Munchausen. When the Turkish army approaches with gunfire, the Baron undertakes his last adventure with his promise to defend the city. Yay! This uh, movie goes off the rails fast. If you're familiar with any of Terry Gilliam's films, uh, you know what you're in for already. Dwarves, giants, cyclops, and a hot air balloon, and then some dancing. Uh, it also has a wicked reaper monster creature that freaks me out to this day. Uh, outstanding cast from the legendary fellow uh, Monty Python, Eric Idle. Uh, Robin Williams, a last-minute casting as the King of the Moon after the budget ran out. He performed his role uncredited and unpaid uh, and is, is the best scene of the movie as he rides a three-headed bird. It's all that I say it is. Uh, also, uh, also features 17-year-old Uma Thurman in her first acting role. 
Uh, and of course, uh, British actor extraordinaire John Neville as Baron von Munchausen. Uh, the film that went on to be a cult favorite, a beautifully whimsical film. I own a copy on VHS, but this was March 10th, 1989's theatrical release of Terry Gilliam's opus, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Munchausen. <laughs> That's what they say in the movie, Baron Munchausen. Yeah. And another funny, I love the line, Baron Munchausen. That sounds nasty. Is it contagious? <laughs> <laughs> Great, great movie. If you have, if you're not familiar, if you love Monty Python and like you know Jabberwocky and stuff like that, great movie. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. <laughs> All right, bum one, Bob. Why don't you bring the curtain down on the movies round? All right. So the late '90s had a, a a wide variety of different types of movies, but one of the biggest types of movies that I don't know made a resurgence, but were very popular were the Romantic comedies were always some big hits. So my, my pick for the movies round was released on March 31st, 1999, starring Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Larissa Olenek is 10 Things I Hate About You. A, a The screenplay is a modernization of William Shakespeare's late 16th century comedy, The Taming of the Shrew, retold in a late 90s American high school setting. Uh, the story follows new student Cameron, who is smitten with Bianca, and in order to get her father's strict rules, uh, get around her father's strict rules on dating, attempts to get bad boy Patrick, played by Heath Ledger, to date Bianca's ill-tempered sister Cat, played by Styles. Uh, the film is named after a poem written by Cat about her bittersweet romance with Patrick, and you know it was a a pretty successful film. Uh, grossed over sixty million and received a generally positive reviews from critics. Is known for the as the breakthrough role for Styles Ledger and uh, and Gordon Levitt, all of whom were nominated for various teen oriented awards. And even ten years later, was adapted into a short lived television series of the same title that ran for twenty episodes. Had no idea that actually existed. <laughs> Uh, on the movie but yeah while the late 90s were were big on the the teen uh, romantic comedies uh one of the most notable and one that you could probably see on tv a lot if you're just looking through the channels is uh 10 things i hate about you nice yeah, I think uh, we've all seen that movie about a thousand times, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. especially yeah, we, if you're yeah. married. Or, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never, I've never watched it. I've, oh. I've seen, oh. I've seen clips of it. Like I've, not, I've seen like a scene or two, but yeah. Wow. I, I was that ninety nine. I was like, yeah, I was in college, so I really yeah. didn't. Well, uh, I'm just saying, even was, within the last yeah. twenty years. Since yeah. then, it's you know you flip through channels. Oh, it's on again. Oh, here yeah. it is. Yeah, no, it, they play it all. <laughs> they play it a lot. Yeah. That's why I said I know of it. I just never like maybe because it was on so much. I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not watching this. Yeah, it's fucking on again. I'm boycotting this one. Yeah. yeah, I've seen this too many times this yeah. week. It's already fucking played like five times. <laughs> fuck this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Joe Finley, it is over to you. Uh, what is your verdict on the movies round? This is uh this is a particularly tough one uh for 
very different reasons. I have varying feelings on all three of these. Uh, Guild Alive, I loved Guild Radner. Um, I, I'm weirded out by the lineup of this. It makes sense in terms of Paul Schaefer being involved because he was very much a friend of uh Lorne and Guido Sarducci being like it was just like it's it's just one of those weird like it's like a dream you're describing yeah. where you're like oh yeah I had this dream and I was at this show and Gilda Radner was doing all her best characters but she was swearing and Guido Sarducci was there <laughs> and I might have been on acid I don't know um, it sounds like a great so that's time a weird man. one <laughs> Yeah, no, it, well, especially you're coming into 80, like you're just starting the 80s, really. So I, I get it. But um, yeah, it's one of those, I actually was not aware of this live performance, much less the fact that it was a theatrical release. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Um, we're going to go to Chucky and the Ventures of Baron von Munchausen. Munchausen. Um, uh terry gilliam i love terry gilliam actually robin williams appearance here makes that make, make that much more oh. sense by him being cast in the fisher king oh. uh but it's one of those movies where it's like terry gilliam for me is a very it's not a hit or miss it's just too terry gilliam or just terry gilliam enough and this one just felt a little too terry gilliam to me also uma thurman I, this might be a hot take. I hate Uma Thurman. <laughs> I absolutely hate Uma Thurman. Take, and do you know what it is, yeah, though? There's a lot of things she was good in. Like, there's like I liked Kill Bill. I liked things like that. But the first, one of the first things I saw her in was Dangerous Liaisons. And that was basically her and Keanu Reeves hitting each other with, like, near Shakespearean <laughs> acting. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're finished with all that. Uh, the You know, Keanu won me back because he did other, like, other stuff that was just, like, you know, like, you know, at the right time. Uma, 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 Uma just Uma couldn't, she couldn't win you back. No. No, Uma. she had an opportunity Uma. to meet Oprah, and that was enough. Oh, man. Um, not even Pulp Fiction, huh? <laughs> no, Pulp, Pulp Fiction was fine, but she's not the reason I like that. <laughs> um, uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, that's one of those ones where, it was like again, I was the the right age when this came out. I came up, it was like I grew up with these kids. Uh, and at the same time, I was studying a lot of Shakespeare, like, heavily, because I was doing a lot of drama and a lot of, like, advanced English stuff and things like that. So I spent a lot of time, and, like, so those things kind of combined and converged at, like, just the right time. Add to that the fact that it was just starting career. Like, every person in that movie is somebody that you recognize from a hundred other movies, much less the main people becoming superstars. Uh, and then one of them, obviously, uh, tragically dying from going down at an Olsen twin. <laughs> That's what they don't tell you. <laughs> the Olsen twin was there. I just don't know. I don't know the timeline. I don't know. Mary Kate, tell me. I don't even know which one it was, to be <laughs> frank. But, um, no, but I think because uh, this this one becomes a little bit more personal than anything else, just because of where it kind of falls in my life, uh, I'm going to give it to 10 Things I Hate About You. All right. All right. So you know what that means. This game is tied between myself and Bumwine Bob. So we are going to go to a final wild card round. I will go first on this one, Bob. Uh, wild card round, you know, I I kind of felt left out because I didn't bring any wrestling. Or did I? Uh-oh. <laughs> so from my wild card pick, we're going to go to the Press Sun Bulletin for a very hot product. 
Binghamton, New York, uh, March 27th, 1980, where you could just pick up some tickets to a local wrestling event. Add in the paper here, it says wrestling, the arena, Friday, March 28th. Tickets are $4, $5, and $6. Tickets on sale at the arena box office. So let's look at the card for this one. It says Frank Williams versus Troy Duggan. Jose Estrada versus Steve King. Tor Kamada versus Angelo Gomez. Johnny Rods versus Rene Goulet. And then uh, the headliner, the, the big match, is a special grudge match. You got Big Bob Duncan versus Pat Patterson. So if that card doesn't just go out and grab you. But the big feature is the co-feature. And that's Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Uh, this is uh, March 28th of 1987 years before they would meet at WrestleMania 3. And this is the first meeting between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant in the WWF. They had met a couple of times before in the, in the 70s when, he was, uh, when Hogan was Sterling Golden and Terry Boulder. But uh, so interesting note about this one. Hulk Hogan actually works the heel in this match. So I give you the first meeting between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant at the arena in Binghamton, New York, Friday, March 28th, 1980. You can see it for four bucks. Four bucks? Wow. Four bucks? Four bucks? <laughs> You're kidding. You get out of town. <laughs> All right, bum wine, Bob. What do you have for the wild card round? All right, so for my wild card round, I am going down to the the TV category and premiering on March 28th, 1999 is the story of a, a young lad called a Philip J. Fry, who is a 25-year-old pizza delivery boy whose life is going nowhere when he accidentally freezes himself on December 31st, 1999 and wakes up 1,000 years in the future and has a chance to make a fresh start. Uh, he goes to work for the Planet Express Corporation, a futuristic delivery service that transports packages to all five quadrants of the universe. His And he does it all with the help of his uh, faithful companions, including his delivery ship, uh, Captain Leela, a beautiful one-eyed female alien, and Bender, his... his uh, his robot friend with a drinking problem, <laughs> among many other uh, human flaws. Uh, and that is, is the one and only from the creator of The Simpsons. It is the TV series of Futurama that you know had, a, a, had one run, had a second run, and is going to be coming back for a third run in 2023. So I bring to you the debut of Futurama. On March 28th, 1999. Let's go already. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can get him out of his judge's chambers. Judge Joe Finley, what is your final verdict on this game? Well, it's going to come down to somebody. <laughs> Somebody's got to win, right? Uh, you think? Might as well be you. I declare this. A yeah. tie. <laughs> no. Um, really interesting ones. I didn't really know where you were going, Mark. I knew it was obviously going to go somewhere because you're naming this card, and I'm like, don't know him, don't know him, don't know him. Jose Estrada, yeah. I know him. Don't know him, don't know him, don't know him. Pat Patterson invented the Royal Rumble. Down yeah. with that. And then, but then you kind of like hit me with that, and I'm like, is that really where we're stopping? 
And then you hit us with the Hulk and Andre. That is an amazing thing. I might have sprung for the $6 seats <laughs> to go and uh, see that one. Uh, that's really interesting. It's interesting to hear about Hulk working heel. Uh, just because, I mean, most of the career that we're familiar with was the ego side of the yeah. career. Where it's like, I can't lose, brother. And like all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, that's really... That's a really, really interesting one. Uh, just their first WWF match, period. Uh, just in a weird card. Yeah. Uh, then you go over to Bumwine Bob, and you have Futurama, and it's really a question of you've got 10 years prior, you know, Matt Groening hit it out of the park with The Simpsons, and then here we go. Is like, can you do it again? Is like, can you actually like recreate that magic with something completely different? And he could. The only problem, it didn't have the same grab or longevity, except that it sort of did. It kind of did that Family Guy thing where when you pulled it off the air, the rabid dogs came out and they're like, "How dare you yeah. pull this?" Well, off once you once you put it on DVD, and, it was it was selling. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that really and that actually kind of goes back to what like like Chucky was saying with the uh, video stuff where it's like some things some things die out in the box office but then find its uh you know find its heart somewhere else and uh so it was it was an interesting show Katie Segal being on that just the uh the matriarch of Fox <laughs> for the first decade of its existence you know what I mean and- yeah, and then um, I love Billy West and who's Phil Lamar, Maurice Lamar, like all sorts of people on that. And uh, it's got the legs, though, because it's coming back again with the full cast. Finally, mm-hmm. John DiMaggio, um, he was the last one to not to be signed because they had hold a whole out. thing going. No, he wasn't a holdout. It was <laughs> it was a much different thing because they ended up having to go to him like it. It, it was yeah. a thing. But um really oh man because i weigh the the first appearance of hulk and andre surrounded by kind of nothing with this thing that has had this kind of leapfrog longevity and i honestly i think i have to give it to futurama it's a tough it was that's a tough that's a tough one i i i I know your dilemma joe that that was Well, and I got to consider how much six bucks would be from nineteen eighty dollars to twenty twenty two dollars. That's that's something, right? Four bucks, man. Well, congratulations, Bumline Bob. You win the game in your very first outing competing here on the show. Man, that's big time, man. I'm happy. I'm I'm ecstatic over here, man. This is this is awesome. <laughs> You'll never match this high. Don't no, even try. this is it. I. Man. Well, I'm still I'm still at zero, zero than like fucking five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Good old O for Chucky. <laughs> I, I'm I got the opposite of the Undertaker streak going now. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the Barry Horowitz run. Yeah, going he's on. getting that losing streak going. <laughs> One of these days, I'm gonna come with some fucking thunder and lightning. <laughs> I'm gonna be like five. I'm just gonna fucking sweep all five, all five. (laughs) And when he does it, he's gonna be impossible to live with afterwards. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm gonna come in with a fucking crown and a scepter. I'm gonna be like a t shirt with his individual picks (laughs) on it. 
Get to change all his social media, you know, yep. <laughs> dueling decades yep. champion. <laughs> yeah, yep. You know it. You know it. Dueling decades champion of 20, whatever the fuck I win it. <laughs> uh, 64. <laughs> I was, damn, I was going to say 2030, but shit. Man, you got a long, long way to go, man. Oh, no, I just got, you know, it's all, all in the, what year I get, I guess. <laughs> yep. The stars have to align, man. They really do because you know it wasn't like there wasn't any content, and you know that you know like no content is there. But yeah, (laughs) no, you get that sometimes though. You're like, oh, look at this. I'm like, how can I possibly lose? And then you're like, this is the weird year where Star Wars came out at the same time as Led Zeppelin's greatest, plus at the same time as this. And you're like, I don't even think those all came out the same year. It's like, well, according to this. The internet says it's true, so it's got to be right. Got to be. Betcha. And that's why we use our good friends over at newspapers.com. Newspapers.com. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Congratulations again, Bob. Why don't you tell everybody what you have coming up on Bumming with Bobcat? Well, at the moment right now, we are right in the middle smack dab of the 2022 com Battle of the Booze Tournament where we are uh, voting and polling for the best of the worst in cheap booths to see who will be this year's champion. So you can check that out at the website at bumwinebob.com and be sure to check out the podcast Bumming with Bobcat on all your favorite podcast apps. But yeah, it's been, been a great time. And, and once again, I'm like, no, no, noisy, nosy cat here. <laughs> Whole episode getting in, in the way. Uh, but hey, we're gonna celebrate, right? We, we got we got a we got a forty here. We've been sipping on, so we're we're having a good time. We're celebrating already. But but hey, thanks again, guys. <laughs> let, let me let me just ask you: is the uh, is the cat's name annoying customer? Should be, should be. <laughs> What's your cat's name? Annoying customer. Dick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, Chucky. Why don't you tell everyone what you have coming up on Garbage Pail Flicks? Well, um, I continue to upload um, stuff onto the YouTube, the Garbage Pill Flicks YouTube channel. That'd be uh, some commercials and other goodies, uh, you know, that I find from my vaults, my VHS vaults and whatnot. And uh, you could follow me on Instagram, Werewolf of Berwin or uh, Garbage Pail Flicks. Just search that, any hashtag or anything. And I got uh, the new, the 20th episode. We're coming up on my 20th episode. It's been about two years. I've been on the uh, on the airwaves broadcasting and uh, I, before we do the 20th episode though, I'm going to do a special, uh, first time ever, uh, all wrestling special, uh, called the, uh, the wrestling conspiracy files that I've been working uh, diligently on. And hopefully, um, the satire and uh, humor from, uh, that, you know, from garbage pail flicks, uh, trans transcends into a, uh, wrestling, uh, special that we have uh, coming up. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Tune in and tune tune in and trash out, guys. Thank you. I'm gonna win one of these fucking days. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna come on this and I'm gonna just sweep the whole board. Practice, practice. I am. I'm gonna start practicing right after this. And just keep telling yourself that, man. Keep keep running, (laughs) running this, running the stairs, and you know, watching more uh, episodes of shitty uh, sitcoms from Canada that never made it past one season. One of these days, I'll I'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe Finley. Uh, thanks for coming in and being the uh, guest judge for tonight. 
as always, you do an excellent job. Why don't you tell everybody what you have coming up on your YouTube channel and on Miscast Commentary? Oh, well, thank you very much. I loved, I love when I get a chance to judge, not just because I'm lazy and don't want to do research, <laughs> but, um, but it's, it's fun to play both sides of the aisle from time to time. Uh, yeah, coming up on Miscast Commentary, uh, we had a pretty large delay due to, uh, I was actually isolated for a while due to uh, exposure to COVID and then my co-host got sick and we didn't want to, you know, take any risks with that with my family here. So, uh, we had a bit of a delay, but we still have episodes moving forward. We got a lot of really fun ones coming up, uh, but the big news is, um, the week after next or sorry, it'll be next week from when this comes out, I guess. The uh, We will be doing our first in a long time uh, live stream of our episode recordings. So we're going to try and knock out a couple of movies that night so you can come and join in. Uh, we won't be so much paying attention to the chat as you would imagine when we're doing a full-on movie commentary, but you can come and join in, watch, comment along the side. We might read along uh, what you have to say about it. Uh, and then on my YouTube channel, Miscast Joe, if I'm just looking at my desk right now among some things I'm going to be uh, reviewing, I have things from XPG, a bunch of things from Razer, uh, and something from DJI. Lots of uh, little fun things that I'm going to be reviewing over the next little while. You can find that on my channel there and uh, written on cgmagonline.com. All right, duelers. Well, and if you've missed an episode of our show, you can always head over to duelingdecades.com, your one-stop shop for all things Dueling Decades. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. So once again, thanks for spending some time with us this evening, duelers. Uh, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Podcast New York. Podcast New York. Be heard. <laughs>